Good morning. My name is Brandon Lutz. Uh, I am the partnership director at Third Millennium Ministries over in Orlando, Florida, Castleberry, Florida. I was a pastor for about 10 years, uh, two, year, through the, two of those years in South Carolina, eight of those years back here in Florida where I was born, in Sarasota, Florida, other coast. Uh, I won't make a joke there. I'll just stop. <clears throat> um, but it's a privilege to be with you all this morning. I, I went to seminary with Ben. We both started RTS the same time. I think we graduated the same year. He might have graduated a year before me. But we were, what do you say, quasi-friends in seminary. He was one of those guys who commuted in, and then he'd come back home and, and do life here. But we were friends in seminary, and um, I've gotten to get reacquainted with him since I uh, am back in the Orlando area working for Third Mill. Uh, a little, just a little more personal about me. Um, I'm married with three kids. I have a 10-year-old, a six-year-old, and a five-year-old. Sarasota, Florida, was where I was born and raised. <laughs> oh man, fresh Prince of Bel Air. Um, I moved to Orlando to go to UCF, and then RTS Orlando, South Carolina, for two years. Winter Haven, Lakeland area for eight years, and now back in Orlando. Um, I can tell you more about Third Mill and what it means to be a, the partnership director and what I do with them if you'd like to talk sometime after the service or later date. But in this short moment that I have with you, I'm really hoping I did not regret choosing the passage I picked because I was very close to doing a sermon on Jonah. And I, I, was, I was watching this video, I was like, man, okay. I'm going to ask McCartney if I chose wisely or poorly at the end of this. But in this short moment that I have with you all, I was drawn to Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 16. In some of your Bibles, it might say unity in the body of Christ, or unity in the faith. So the first three chapters of Ephesians are all about uh, what Jesus Christ has done for us. We're saved by grace through faith. This is a gift of God. You were once this, and now you are that. Jesus saved you by his life, by his death, by his resurrection, by his future coming. And now Paul in Ephesians 4, he starts to, the, to address... So now what? If all that is true, where do we go from here? What does that mean for your life? What does that mean for my life? How do we walk in a manner worthy of what Jesus has called me to? So now I'm going to read Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 16. There's a lot here. There's a lot in this passage, so I'm not going to touch everything in this sermon on this passage. That could be a whole sermon series. I'll leave that for Ben. I'll let you decide on what to do with that. So this is Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 16. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, 
to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is the word of the Lord. The world we live in is divided. We heard it in the prayer, Josh, John, that John said earlier. Today it's Ukraine versus Russia. Tomorrow it's just going to be two other countries and its allies. In our country, it's been a long time since we've been this divided. We're divided over politics, gun control, how to handle racial issues, how to handle abortion, how to handle gender and sexuality. And unfortunately, and sadly enough, all these things, they've infiltrated the church. It's created division amongst brothers and sisters in Christ. And too often, we're not thinking about how we can be a part of advancing the kingdom of heaven. Rather, we're spending our time and energy fighting and debating with one another. This is the state of Christ's church in our country right now. This is the sad state that we have fallen to. It might even be safe to say that for this moment, Satan has won this battle. So where did we go wrong? Where did the church forget that there is something far greater, infinitely greater, that we have in common with every brother and sister in Christ that unites us all? There is one body and one spirit, one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. That is what our passage in Ephesians says. We are part of the kingdom of heaven that Christ is reigning over right now. He invites all of us to play a part in building his kingdom and advancing the kingdom and being part of something that will last for eternity. To be a part of a kingdom that will have no end. A kingdom where there is no evil, only good. A kingdom where there is no division, only harmony and peace. A kingdom where there is no sadness, no pain, no despair, no death, only joy and life. Is this the kind of kingdom you want to be a part of, make happen? Is this the kind of kingdom you want to bring from heaven to earth? So we're going to walk through this passage by dividing it up into two parts. Firstly, we're going to look at breaking down the body, how we have forgotten what kingdom we are in, or maybe, just maybe, we've joined another kingdom without even realizing it. So throughout our Ephesians passage and in other places of Scripture, the people of Christ are called the body of Christ. Everything that happens should be about building up the body so that we grow up in every way and become more like Jesus, more like our Savior, more like our King. So what does that mean for you and me? This, this passage points out that we all start off as spiritual babies. We all start off as spiritual infants. It means that apart from outside care, we're not going to make it. In Scripture, like John 3, when, when Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus, we read that if your faith is in Jesus, then you're born again. You're a new creation. You are a spiritual infant. But you don't want to stay a spiritual infant forever. Why not? 
You know, I saw a few. I saw an infant over here. I think someone over here had an infant. As cute as they are, as much as you like holding your baby, are you looking forward to when you can sleep through the night again? Maybe just a little. I have three kids. As I said earlier, that first night where all of them are sleeping and you get eight hours, it's, it's, the, it's magical. It's, whew. Why do we not want to be spiritual infants forever? Look at verse 14 in Ephesians 4 with me again. So that we no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. So think about infants for a moment. Infants do whatever infants want to do in every moment of their existence. It's all about themselves. They're not thinking about mommy and daddy and what you all want. They don't know that if they stick their finger in an outlet that they're going to get shocked. They don't know that if they try to climb up out of their crib and get out, what is gravity going to do to them? Yet this is so many of us. We're spiritual infants about various topics in our faith, myself included. And now some of you are hearing that you're thinking, well, wait a minute, hold on. I've been a Christian my entire life. I read my Bible. I am here. I am at church in the middle of the summer when there is a guest preacher. Does that count for anything? You know, you say you read your Bible, you go to church, you pray. I've been a Christian for a long time. That's got to mean something. Isn't that what it means to be a child of God? Yes, but that's not all of it. I mean, if that is the end goal of what it means to be a Christian, how is that appealing? When you share your faith with someone, is that ultimately what you're inviting them into? So I want to point out two things here. First, you catch how many times I said the word I. I go to church. I read my Bible. I pray. What's wrong with this? The age of cultural individualism, the age where it's all about me, what I say is true, what I want to do, what I say is good, it's crawled its way into our churches. It's crawled its way into our hearts. We have lost sight of the us, the we that we read over and over and over again in the Bible. We're all part of one body. You know, John 3.16 is probably the most famous scripture verse. What are the first six words of that passage? For God so loved the world. Good job. But for whatever reason, it seems to be for God so loved me. Tends to be where we lean. Now me, you are included in the world, but it is the world, God's creation, and everything in it. That's what God has invited us into, to be a part of. So secondly, because of this, the divisions that are created, the anger, the bitterness, the devilish ways of the world, they've divided us inside the global church, inside the church in our country, and inside our local churches. Denominations, we question the legitimacy of other people based on the difference of opinion on baptism. In local churches like you all, we're quick to use cunning words to get people on our side against another's for whatever reason, whatever topic. We feel perfectly justified in destroying and dismembering ourselves from the unity of our faith over worldly issues. We are prisoners to worldly things and not prisoners for the Lord. Do you use the Bible as a weapon to fight other Christians? Or does the Bible unite you with other Christians? 
It was given to us so we could be built up together and be one body with one head, Jesus Christ. So ask yourself, do you ever question and judge someone else's faith and unity to the body based off of a worldly opinion that they have? Do you ever question and judge someone else's faith and unity to the body based off of a secondary biblical issue or a biblical opinion? Ben may not be friends with me or ever ask me to do this ever again, but think about this for a moment. Have you ever questioned the legitimacy, the authenticity of another brother or sister in Christ based off of whether or not they're a Republican or a Democrat? How quick are you to judge someone else's heart based off of their opinions on something like to mask or not to mask? Insert any big cultural topic in our country or world today, this is what the sin in our hearts is pulling us towards, to get stuck and captivated on these kind of questions inside of our hearts. So how do you, do, or how do you, how do you view or judge those who think differently than you? And why do we do this? It doesn't have to be big issues, big cultural or political issues that do this. Why do we judge our closest friend's parenting style and skills? Why do you critique how a friend chooses to spend their money or spend their time? Why do we focus on a spouse's shortcomings and failures in our marriages? I struggle with these things in my own heart. And whether it's big worldly issues like differing opinions on COVID, how to handle it, or whether it's small issues, judging your spouse rather than what it means to sacrifice for my spouse and forgive them and view them as Christ views them. When we do these things, this is us, this is spiritual infancy in us on full display. And we do this because, I know I do this because my heart has fallen prey to the kingdom of self. I'm trying to make a big deal about myself. I have to be the one sitting on the throne where everyone else is my subject and they're beneath me. I've let my opinions, I've let my convictions become gospel declarations. We like the throne so that we have this, we like the throne so much because it gives us this illusion of power and authority and control. And yet, we don't see the loneliness we have created for ourselves. We don't experience the growth that comes from being in the body of Christ. Experience from someone speaking the truth in love to me. Experience from a healthy, gospel-centered community and gospel-centered relationships. This is how you and I break down the body rather than building it up. Which brings me to the second point, building up the body. So how can we build up the body of Christ? How can we build up the global church community, the the church community in our country, and your church community specifically? How can we grow up in every way into him who is the head, Jesus Christ? Verse 15 tells us, speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love. Is this the tune of the world we live in today? Is this the melody of our culture and our country? Is this the song of the church? You know, it seems that many love to hit people with the truth right in the mouth. A lot of truth with no love. And the other end of the spectrum seems to also be true. Many, in an attempt to love others, are unwilling to speak the truth. Truth without love is deadly. It's cold. 
It's heavy-handed, impersonal. And how does the listener typically respond? Are they eager to listen to the heavy truther? Parents, I'm a parent. When you have come hard at your kids and you get caught up in the moment and you come hard at them, do you think they're listening? Or do you think they're focused on mom and dad being mad at me or shutting down? They harden their heart to this person and to what they're saying. Love without truth, also deadly. It's soft. It's superficial. It's impersonal. It doesn't get beneath the surface. And you're not helping the, lis- you're not helping the listener. You know, I am a horrible singer. My family and friends know I'm a horrible singer. But what if nobody ever told me or if, what, if, what if I wasn't aware and no one ever shared that with me? You know, and American Idol or The Voice, they come to Melbourne for auditions. You know, and I think myself, you know, I sound great in the bathroom when no one can hear me. I, I build up the courage, and I say, hey, I'm thinking about going to this audition. I think, I think it becomes something. I could be the next Kelly Clarkson or whoever's next. It's been a while since I've watched that show. <laughs> so my friends, my family, they don't say anything to me, and I go. I'm standing before Simon Cowell, and I do my song. Someone asked me what my song would be uh, when I was talking about this out loud, and uh, yeah, it was either going to be like a Goo Goo Dolls song, Red Hot Chili Peppers, or uh, maybe like a One Republic song. But anyways, it was going to be something like that. So I'm going, and I sing this song. I belt it. I give it all I got. Salmon Cowell's standing there before me. What do you think he's going to say? Are you okay? Or worse. Probably worse. You think anyone's going to press my button? (laughs) The one that drops you from the stage? gets you off the screen. You know, it's a silly example, but that is what love without truth is on display. Speaking the truth in love allows you to say hard things to people, but in a way that they can receive it well because they know that you're for them. They know that you're speaking to them and you're sharing whatever you're sharing because it's about them, it's not about you. Because you love them. Speaking the truth in love allows others to grow up and build up the body of Christ. Speaking the truth in love is costly. It will cost you time. It will cost you energy. It will make you into a student of knowing how to serve and how to love others well. What is the famous love passage that is said at many weddings? 1 Corinthians 13 say love is. It's patient. It's kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It isn't arrogant. It does not insist on its own way or being right. It rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. You know, this is how we go from spiritual infants to growing into the fullness of the body of Christ. This is what it means to build up the body of Christ in love, in Christ's love. The problem we run into is we don't do this perfectly. We all have a bent one way or the other. Some of you, it's easier to tell the truth, but you struggle with the love side. Some of you, love is more your, your go-to, but to tell the truth, that terrifies you. But when this is the case, our truth ends up being more about ourselves because we want to be right. We want to appear smart. We want to win arguments. Our love ends up being more about ourselves because we, won't want, we don't want the other person to be mad at us. 
We don't want to rock the boat. We want to be viewed in a positive light. The solution is the truth in love working together in perfect harmony. The truth is we are all sinners. We are lost with no way to get home in a debt with no way to pay it. The love is that Jesus is saving all of his brothers and sisters in your community, in our country, and in our world. No greater love than this than one who lays down his life for his friends. This earth is in our home. This earth is in our home, but Jesus has brought us into his family so that we can be a part of bringing his heavenly home, his heavenly kingdom to this earth. That's what he's invited us into. He has paid my debt. He has paid your debt, the debt of the brothers and sisters in Christ in his kingdom in full on the cross. Nothing less than the death of the son of God can save you or me. But God says you are worth dying for. Famous passage of scripture. We said it earlier. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. I'm going to skip the end of that verse and begin the next verse. In order that the world might be saved through him. Nothing less than the death of the son of God can save you. But you are worth dying for. How does that sit on your heart? What does that stir in you? Do you understand the length that God went to save you? Do you understand the depth of his love for you? It is this heavenly grace that humbles you, calls you into the body, and allows you to speak the truth in love with brothers and sisters in Christ. And also with those who have yet to experience his heavenly grace. In John 17, we read Jesus' high priestly prayer. Starting in verse 20, it says this, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me, so that the world may believe. Brothers and sisters, what a high calling we have been given. The unity of our faith, the body building itself up as one, is one of the main ways the gospel of Jesus Christ can make an impact on this earth. In my opinion, this is the main way that we as the church in our country, if we want to have a chance reaching the next generation, this is what we have to move towards. So let us rejoice and unite with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Let us build up the body together. Start with your local church community. Start with your family. And then start extending to other people in Melbourne and Palm Bay. Let us speak the truth in love. The blood of Christ flows throughout the entire body of Christ. Is this the kind of kingdom you want to be a part of and make happen? Is this the kind of kingdom you want to bring from heaven to earth? Let's pray.